Let's talk about movies. Huh. This is Kenny from my brain. If you wanna talk movies, well, guess what? We on the same thing. You gotta watch, 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 watch this podcast. Hey, everybody, welcome. You have to watch this podcast. I'm Alan. I'm Ryan. And I'm Devin. And today we're gonna be continuing our journey through the best pictures for the Oscars with uh, Christopher Nolan's Oppenheimer, which was nominated for a lot of things that I probably should have pulled up before the show, but we'll figure that out as we go. Um, uh, This is usually the part of the show where we, instead of diving into the movie that one of us, at least one of us has never seen, we talk about things in pop culture that we watched. Uh, But again, there's some breaking pop culture news that involves Disney that I want to, I figured we should talk about because not only is it a podcast day for us, it's a very special day. It Happy Astro Wednesday guys. Oh, wait a minute. Not today. I thought uh, it was Valentine's be... day. There we go. Happy Valentine's day. Happy Valentine's um, day. We all got a Valentine's card from Marvel studios today. Um, <laughs> I don't know if you guys saw this or not, but they have announced the cast for the fantastic four. Um, Pedro Pascal is Mr. Fantastic. Vanessa Kirby uh, is Sue Storm, the Invisible Woman. Uh, Eban Moss Blanchard is the thing, Ben Grimm. And then Chrissy Wake Up Joseph Quinn is (laughs) the Human Torch. Neat. Yeah. Guys, are you excited about the Fantastic Four? No. <laughs> be back on board for this movie because then you can if you do it in the 60s you can do the original styles of those characters like the original marvel comic styles that you don't get to see much of like you get a little bit a hints of it like with the um, the tom holland spider-man when they brought him back mm-hmm. into the mcu um but you haven't we haven't really seen the 60s in anything mcu yet so we've seen the 40s we've seen the 90s We've gotten hints at the eighties, but nothing, nothing in the sixties, which is like where Marvel started, which could be very interesting. Cause this is the first family. And is they, really? I mean, that's what they call the fantastic four. It's Marvel's first family. So it, it would make sense if you're going to do a sixties movie and market it as the first family, like, like that. I think make that I, first. Yeah. Yeah, pretty cool. I mean, to be fair, I do like the suits, like those like '60s style suits that they're wearing in that like Christmas card. That's or Valentine's Day card. That's kind of cool. Yeah, because uh, it even the the post says Happy Valentine's Day from Marvel's first family. Um, oh, all right. So if you're gonna go first family, might as well have them been have been there the whole time. But uh, in other Marvel news, uh, I don't know if you guys saw there was a football game that happened this weekend. I, I didn't because I'm too far away. I, I'm very so. Do they not just? Do they just not show the Super Bowl in no, London? They absolutely do. And to be fair, okay. every single person that watched the Super Bowl on Monday felt the need, or watched it on Sunday, felt the need on Monday to then tell me, Devin, do you know what I did this weekend? I watched the Super Bowl. I'm like, great, I didn't. I sure don't yeah. care. Um, Ryan, did you watch the game? Yes, I did. All right. It was a very boring game up until the last 20 minutes. Like when it went into overtime, I was like, okay, like, here we go. Uh, uh, I would have to, I would have to disagree on the boringness because that game started out differently than I was expecting. So to me, I was drawn in all the way through, but then again, like I, it wasn't as exciting as I've seen Super Bowls in the past. Like I wasn't invested until the very end. Um, I have the, I have a new way of watching the Super Bowl because as far as I'm concerned, the Bears are never going to make it in the next mm-hmm. like, 25 years because I could rant, but I'm not. Um, I will always root for the team from now on in the Super Bowl. I am always going to root for the team the that I know exciting. will piss off the most people if they win. So that's the team I'm going to root for from now on. And so this past, so this year was the Chiefs. So yeah. I, I was all in. Because I knew yeah. that it was going to make a bunch of people mad, and I wanted it to happen. So when you sit down to watch a fo- watch the Super Bowl, and you have to choose a team, what you're saying is you have a blank space 
Yeah, a blank space. <laughs> and I will fill in the name. <laughs> uh, well, done. Look at that. well uh, one of the things that I wasn't bored by at the Super Bowl was the movie trailers, the commercials. There were a lot of good commercials, like a good neighbor. Um, yeah. There's some very, like Ben Affleck and Matt Damon were in a Duncan commercial that, oh, Devin, you're going to love this commercial. I, I kid you not. Matt Damon turns to Jennifer Lopez and says, how do you like them? Donuts. I'm so sorry. Like that's that's. Completely <laughs> like that because yeah. he's definitely like not like his character is not into what what's you know going on. Yeah. And Ben oh, Affleck cool. is old. Um, yeah. But the other thing that happens during the Super Bowl is movie trailers debut, and since we just a, f- a few minutes ago we were talking about Marvel, the uh, Deadpool and Wolverine trailer dropped. Um. What did you guys think of this trailer? We, we pulled three trailers to talk about, and I, I think each of us has different perspectives on each of them. So my, 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 the one I picked for me was Deadpool and Wolverine, because I want to hear what you guys think of this movie trailer. Ryan, go ahead. Okay. Um, I'm going to wait to watch this until I can stream it. I like okay. Deadpool. I like Ryan Reynolds. I cannot wait to see uh, Wolverine again. Uh, from you know like the, as far as I'm concerned who Wolverine is um, but I'm a little disappointed personally at the fact that like they're doing what I w- didn't want them to do to begin with and that's incorporate heavily from the t- from the shows into the movies <laughs> and that's what it seems like I could be completely wrong or with, the, with the TVA like. yeah yeah. Because of the TVA. Like, I'm fine with, like, the little jokes that, that you know, that, like, Deadpool was doing, like, you know, about it. Like, that's fine. It's just... You weren't supposed to have to watch the shows to fully understand what's going on in the movies. You So, yeah. I don't think the... T, I think it's a bit of a different ver, uh, angle on the TVA. Um, yeah. Especially with who's in charge. Uh, <laughs> um... But yeah, okay. I don't. I don't think the. T- I don't think you're gonna have to watch Loki to understand what's happening with all that stuff. I'm sure they'll explain it. Yeah. Um, you're just De- on the surface, that was my yeah. reaction. Devin, what do you think? I'm gonna see this opening night, if not opening day. <laughs> I look, man. Like, I like Deadpool two more than anyone else did. I would rewatch all the. I'm going to rewatch all of those movies before I see this one. I'm gonna buy the popcorn bucket, whatever it looks like. Like, I'm so excited, <laughs> yeah. guys. I am too. This, like, a lot of people have compared this to Spider-Man No Way Home, which is which is fair. But there's so much more history. Like, there are so many more things to pull from for the X-Men movies because it's not just Wolverine that they're pulling in. Uh, Pyro from the original X-Men trilogy is in there. Yeah. Um, other people are coming in that aren't in the trailer that I know about. Um, How do you know about these? Oh, the press releases like. I don't know who Jennifer Garner's agent is, but they let something slip that they probably shouldn't have. Holy cow. Jennifer Garner. That's cool. Yeah. Um, From the Ben Affleck Daredevil. So. Yeah, man. If they could get Ben Affleck. I loved the Ben Affleck Daredevil. All right. I'm like one of the few people that have very fond memories of that movie. Um, I never really saw the problem with it. Nah. I liked it. I watched We're, the director's commentary and everything. I, I have that. I have the director's cut on Blu-ray, so I'm going to have to watch uh, that. I think uh, over on Brilliant But Lazy, Josh is actually going to... We're going to go through and watch a bunch of the, the Fox movies leading up to... Leading up to Deadpool. And man, Wolverine, wait, so. till, wait till Evanescence hits, man. Oh, man. yeah. Just the best part of that whole movie. Uh. Yeah. Um, I, so, yeah... Deadpool Wolverine trailer came out. There was also Ryan. I messaged. I don't message you a lot during things like this, but I messaged you. Hey, the Twisters trailer's out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I was watching the game, and one thing: did they do this last year, where like they do like a little teaser, and then they're like, "It's released," and then it, you have to like go full online trailer online. It. Yeah, I think they started to do that last year. I think they really leaned into that more this year. Yeah. Which I wasn't um, a huge fan of, the, just considering the way I was watching it. Like, I had to, like, close out the app and then airplay it from my phone. Like, oh, it yeah. was... Yeah. 
yeah, that's I was miffed about that myself. Um, when I first found out that Twisters was going to be a thing, I there's no there's no chance that I was ever going to take this movie seriously. So the fact that the trailer looks the way it does, I'm going to go to the movie theater and sneak in food to watch this movie. That's my level of I don't care how bad this movie is. I'm going to go see it. Like I will Good. sneak in food to see this movie. That that's about where I am because I have to go see <laughs> Madam. I have to go see Madam Web on Friday. So I'm seeing it on Saturday. Oh man, we watch. This is going to be. Fun. It's gonna be incredible. Actually, you know what? We'll, we'll what? talk about th- we'll talk about this later. Mm. You want to? You want right, to? Yeah, want to join a brilliant but lazy this week? I do. Okay, hundred percent. All right, we'll work it out. Oh, yeah. Twisters looks silly and stupid, and that's the only way that I could ever see a sequel to Twisters happening because, like, the science behind tornadoes has advanced so much since the first movie came out that, like. Okay, cool. They're gonna try to stop tornadoes. That's complete science fiction. I'm fine with it. That's complete science. <laughs> I mean, because what else are you gonna do? Like, there's no real reason to drive a car into a tornado anymore when well, you have like cameras that'll watch anything. There are still storm chasers out there because they want to get like film like inside a tornado, which I think it's been done for like a one IMAX movie where this dude made like a tank out of a pickup truck in like 2010 or 11 and mm-hmm. like actually like got film inside a tornado like what that looks like yeah so i mean there are still storm chasers out there because it's the best way to track a tornado is to have people on the ground following these storms so the premise is still uh plausible you know the whole like storm chasers and everything it's the whole idea of like what they're trying to do and i saw a, a bunch of callbacks um in this one so I don't know if like they're related to the original characters, if this is like an, a completely different set of storm chasers and they're just doing like call, you know, like silly callbacks throughout the movie randomly. I'll find out when I'm watching a movie that I really don't care about other than the fact that I want to be entertained. Entertain me. That's <laughs> I, I am just wait. I just know the week that we watch this or the week this comes out, you're going to make us watch the original, which I know has been on the radar for a while now. So Wait, who hasn't watched the original? Get out it, of it's here. Been, it's been years since I've seen it, if wow. I did. Oh, I've seen bits and pieces. Incredible. Like, I know who's in it. I know oh, okay. most of the people who are in it can't be in the new one because they're no longer yes. with us. Uh, mm-hmm. But here's hoping Helen Hunt shows up. Yeah, that'd be cool. Um and then Devin, I I don't know if you actually have any opinions on this or not, but I I pulled Wicked, I pulled you? Wicked for you. Yes, man, I'm the I am the guy to talk about Wicked. I just saw it less than a year ago on West End. I had some serious reservations about about it coming to the screen just because I sometimes movie musicals don't always work, but yeah. I was really impressed with what I've seen in the trailer. Okay. I like that they showed some of the defying gravity scene. I don't know that I love that it's going to be split in two parts. That part's a little bit of a bummer. Yeah, and they're doing that weird thing with they 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 kind of don't really hint that this is a musical in the trailer, but they really don't lay into the fact that this is part 1 of 2. Yeah, it it almost in terms of the musical it almost feels like Wonka. Yeah. Like the, they're kind of not focusing on the musical part of it, which I guess might be the new tactic to get butts in seats and then be like, surprise, a musical, if you didn't know that, which is a shame. So I, because I'm in this corner of TikTok, I get like the trailer breakdowns for things and people like asking like, wait, why is this in the trailer? Like people yeah. talking about things about the, the Deadpool Wolverine trailer. I saw one for this where they're like, okay, why is Dorothy in this? Oh, Dorothy's in the in the the uh, play. Is she? In the musical. Yeah. Yeah, but she's she is forever like just stage left of what's happening. Like okay. at one point they're like, ah, that little girl, girl. Okay. And then like at one point they're like, the little girl is down there, and that's like all they talk about. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Have you seen it too, Ryan? Um, 
I have gotten a dissertation level description um, from someone who read Wicked. Oh, nice. Okay. So, um, I don't, I don't, I don't remember about fifty percent of it, but I know enough about it to be really interested in this. I just the fact that Jeff Goldblum's the wizard, incredible. Ah, I mean, yes. pitch, pitch perfect casting. Just like, ah, oh, I can't, I can't even imagine. Like he has such good parts in the musical, and Jeff Goldblum's just gonna kill it. Speaking of, he was at the Super Bowl and gave a tremendous reaction when he was on the jumbotron. Is that what he did? Did he give a heart? Yeah, yeah, but not just that. Like hands. he stood up and he was really excited and he was like waving to people and acting oh. like it was the greatest thing on earth for him to be on the jumbotron. It was great. Yeah, oh, what a gem of. Th- a there were some great moments on the jumbotron that uh, were were shared. Like that was that was a good one. Taylor Swift looking at the jumbotron, seeing herself, and then downing her drink was one of my favorites. Yeah. Huh. Uh, and then DiCaprio being caught yeah. with the white nose. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yep. I heard about that. Yeah. Um, and then Devin, have you seen the, um, um, have you seen the SpongeBob stuff from the Super Bowl? I have. Okay. I, I love the fact that they like overlaid, like you can tell that they were like, look, we're doing this for the SpongeBob audience. We're doing this for the people that are roughly just turning 30. They need it. But also there are hardcore sports fans that are going to be mad that there's Spongebob in their Super Bowl. So they had to, like, make jellyfish erupt behind some of the players in the opening bit. And, like, that's so silly. Well, yeah. actually, that was all for kids. That was, like, Nickelodeon's, like, kid thing. They've been doing this all season. Have they really? Yeah. So, like, later on in the week after the games are played, mm-hmm. um, Nickelodeon has, like, a kid's, like, you know, hey, this is what happened this past weekend in the NFL. And they do oh. the highlights, and they have, like, SpongeBob and Patrick, like, and other Nickelodeon cartoon characters narrate the games and they do all of the effects and everything. Um, I think they've done a live game a few other times, but yeah, like this isn't something new. Like this is something that they've done in the past. Wow. Yeah. I, I want to make a joke, but I'm not going to, uh, remind me after the show, I have a Nickelodeon joke. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, more exciting movies coming out this year than like, I, I'm excited for wicked surprisingly. Like I'll probably read the book. I won't go see the play, but I'll see, I'll read the book. Um, did you guys, did you guys see any of the other trailers? Cause I saw there was also kingdom of the planet of the apes. There was knuckles. There's, I, I, mean, I, I saw the knuckles play. trailer. That's a TV show. I haven't seen it's Sonic a TV 2 show. Yet. Yeah. Oh. On Paramount. Um, Ech. I saw the teaser for planet of the apes. I don't, I don't seek out trailers unless they're teasers. And I know the planet of the apes one wasn't just the teaser. It was like the actual trailer. And like, I don't need to see that. Um, So um, this is, uh, this one actually interested me into one of these modern movies. Cause as you guys know, I don't, I have shunned those movies, but this one's actually interesting to me. And I think it's because the CGI is a thousand times better. You, you've because it's sh- more advanced. Wait, have you shunned all of the new Planet of the Apes movies? I have seen half of what the first one was. Okay. Uh-oh. See, Guess what we're watching soon. No, 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 no. And I've said this before, and you guys have forgotten. I am very finicky when it comes to monkeys in movies. Oh, then you know what we're really going to watch. Dun- Dunstan, Dunstan checks in. <laughs> That's one of the ones I'm good with. That's one of the ones I'm good with. All right. Well, on that note, how do we go from Dunstan checks in to Christopher Nolan's Oppenheimer? Like this. Um, yeah. Uh, so today, <laughs> which was... you just stared yeah. into the camera. You just stared into the camera. Uh. Einstein's just walking away, away, like devastated right now. Uh, so today we're talking about the um, the Heimer half of Barbenheimer. Um, <laughs> we're talking about Christopher Nolan's Oppenheimer starring Killian Murphy, Emily Blunt, Robert Downey Jr., Matthew Damon, and Florence Pugh. Because those are the those are the names that made the tra- the poster. Um, this movie came out in July last year and is nominated for a bunch of oscars let's talk talk about what the, it was nominated for this is a film that i saw 
which we're going to, I think we're going to get into my experience, Barbenheimer weekend today, guys. Oh, good. Because we haven't, we haven't really talked about it in detail on the show and we're not going to go into too much detail today, but you know what? We're going to, we're going to talk about my Barbenheimer weekend. Cause it's, it's, it's about time. Okay. Um, but why, why won't that link work? Come on. There we go. Uh, it's nominated for best picture. It's not loading. Why is it not loading? Uh, anyway, I, I saw I saw Oppenheimer opening weekend, or, or the after opening weekend. I I didn't get a chance to go to the theaters opening weekend because I was uh, I was sick. I was in the hospital. Um, so I everyone's posting about Barmenheimer, and I was in I was sick. I couldn't go. Mm-hmm. I was in the ICU. Um, so I, I missed out on the Barmenheimer weekend. But as soon as I got out of the hospital, I was like, I'm going to see Oppenheimer. We're going to IMAX. This is going to be great. I did not buy IMAX tickets. I thought I did. I realized when I got oh, to the theater, because no. we move, we're in the middle of moving. It was a new theater for us. Um, did not get IMAX tickets, but. Got to see Oppenheimer opening weekend in reclining seats because if I did not have if I was not sitting in a recliner for this it would have been torture because uh, it's so long. Um, but Oscar wise, finally loaded. Uh, Oppenheimer was nominated for best achievement in costume design, best achievement in production design, achievement in film editing, achievement in cinematography, best adapted screenplay, best performance by an actor in supporting role. Best performance by an actress in a supporting ro- role with Emily Blunt. Actor was Robert Downey Jr. I should have said that. Mm. Uh, lead, actor in a leading role for Killian Murphy. Achievement in directing, Christopher Nolan. Best picture. Best sound. And wow. t- two more. Achievement in music written for motion pictures, original score. Ludwig Johansson. And achievement in makeup and hairstyling. That is a lot. That's yes. like most of the categories. Yeah, it's it's a lot. Is that is that like everything it could have been nominated for? Like, it's not going to make best animated short film, but like it, it's a lot. It's thirteen no, nominee nominations, so, so it's many. it's up there. Uh, I, I think the only thing they didn't get nominated for was lead actress, acting wise at least. Who would have been? Because if Emily Blunt was nominated, who would have lead actress have been in this? No that, one, right? Yeah, there isn't really like there isn't really a lead actress. It's supporting no. actress. So hmm. um I just realized yeah. that. So I saw this in theaters. You guys had not. You guys have both seen Barbie though, correct? Yes. Yes. All right. Yes. Um good. Uh <laughs> So you guys got to watch this at home. I'm curious, what did you guys think of the, your Oppenheimer viewing experience at home? What did you think of the movie? Go ahead, Ryan. Oh, okay. I, Devin doesn't want to go first today. Um, no. no, I don't. So I watched this with headphones on, the ones mm. that I'm wearing right now, um, simply because it was a three-hour-long movie. I didn't start this until like 6.30, 7 o'clock, and my wife had to go to bed. So I'm like, I'm not going to play the uh, sound game with my remote for, for three hours. Um and it was amazing. I'm not going to lie. This movie brought back out the History Channel, Discovery Channel, obsessed preteen I was in element, uh, in um, in middle school. I can't tell you guys how many, like, uh, Man- Manhattan Project documentaries I saw on those channels growing up. Um, and this movie has only made me like Murphy more than I did before as an actor. Um, and and also Robert Downey Jr. Um, but yeah, like I, I had most of the lights off. I was wearing headphones. So like I feel like I got a pretty good experience except for bass. I didn't feel anything because, you know. Oh, right. You know, that. But the sound, but it was... It was head over heels better than what I thought it was going to be. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. Devin, what did you think? I 
overall, I really like the movie. There are a few things that I wish it had done differently in terms of like character and pacing, but I really liked the like. I like the story that it told. I think this is probably the best way that you can tell this story. And I really love Ryan's comparison of like it being like an elevated history channel thing. I think he's really, really good. I mean, you know, it's an Olin movie, right? He has some of the weirdest, most unexpected shots, I think, in this. Like more so than I think I've seen in any other Nolan movie. And of course it can't be a very simple, like, you know, pacing, like, things don't flow chronologically in the movie and i actually like that because it helped keep me interested as far as my viewing experience it was just on my tv in my living room i don't know that i could have I, I can't hum a tune from it which is probably to my detriment and i can imagine there are parts of this movie that just hit so much better in a theater um oh yeah but they they still hit well like i when i saw them they hit well but i wish i wish i could have like felt some of that the I remember in our in our theater experience, my wife and I were both like, that was loud. Like, that was very loud. <laughs> it, and it wasn't even the like the, the bomb part. It was just like, that was just a loud movie. Like, why is everyone yelling? Um, say, it wasn't it wasn't just the part that I thought it would be like the whole thing was loud. The whole thing was loud. Wow. Okay. Yeah, it, it might have been the theater that we were in, like just mm-hmm. having it not cranked up. Right. Um. But what I like about this movie, it's kind of a return to form for Nolan's formatting of a story where it's you're going to have one timeline going and then we're going to do some flashbacks and mm-hmm. intercut them. Kind of, just what he does with um, Batman Begins and The Prestige, like the, the Nolan films that I like, because um, not to say that I, I don't like all I don't like Nolan films. There are some that I like better. And sure. this like format wise, this one goes back to those roots that I really enjoy from Nolan because it it plays with time, but it's still straightforward in what it's doing. It doesn't really like you don't have half of the story going forward, the other half going backwards. It's not it's not too complicated. It it's and it even lays it out for you with the fusion and fission uh, mm-hmm. subtitles at the front. Um it's that style where we have story A and story B and we're going to we're going to intermix those with some other stuff. But you have these two storylines and they're separated by by color. Like you have the yeah. black and white stuff with Robert Downey Jr. And then the color stuff with uh, Oppenheimer. It's a great way to differentiate the story to let you know what's happening when. And I really yeah. enjoy that from a Nolan movie. I love what Nolan does with time. When, and I, when he doesn't make it too complicated <laughs> and when Where, you can, when, when you can understand what's going on dialogue wise. Well, I mean, I thought the movie like audio wise was mixed really well this time. Mm-hmm. I could understand everyone, but to your point about the two storylines, there's a scene specifically that is shown from two perspectives. And I thought that was incredible. It was a scene where they're all sitting around the round table and Robert Downey Jr. has to move the plan out of the way. Yeah. You get it first from Robert Downey Jr.'s perspective, but then you get it from Oppenheimer's and it's in color and it like literally made me go, whoa, like it's such a simple little thing, but it was so effective. Yeah. Um, how much do you guys know? How much did you guys know of the, st- the history of all this? Like, Ryan, you said you were a big history buff in high school. So do you know most of this? I knew very basics about Oppenheimer himself. Okay. I knew the whole like father of the bomb thing, his role uh, is at the Manhattan Project, and that there was a dust up between him and some people in government. That's okay. all I could have told you before watching this movie. Devin, how about you? I just Googled it. I, for... <laughs> The majority of my life had mixed up the Manhattan Project and something called the Philadelphia Experiment. Oh, God. Are you serious? Yeah, man. You're taking a real historical event that basically ushered in a new era of human history and and a, like, like, level C conspiracy theory. Okay, so t- let me tell you. Let me tell you about the kind of History Channel stuff Devin was watching as a kid, because it certainly wasn't World War II historical fiction or historical nonfiction. It was 
I'm going to watch the ghost stuff and I'm going to watch the travel channel conspiracy theory videos. That was what Devin was raised on a steady yeah, diet of. I knew that we dropped bombs in the middle of the desert forever. And then one of them happened off of a coast of somewhere and we got a picture of it in the ocean. That's really all I know. So I learned a lot in this movie. And then one time when in this movie, when they said, oh, it's the Manhattan Project, they go, I go, oh, that's what that is. Okay. So I'm coming at it way left field here. This is a huge gap in my knowledge. Ryan, at least he didn't say he got the Manhattan Project confused with the Alan Parsons Project. There's, there's also that. It's just, okay, so to, I also have to check myself here. Devin, I do. Yes. Because like, I, like I've mentioned before to you guys a thousand times, both sides of my family are originally from Chicago. Okay, And the whole thing about how part of the Manhattan Project happened in Chicago under a unused football field right. was something that I learned at a very, very early age back when I learned what the Manhattan Project originally was. And I was talking to my dad about it. And he's like, well, you know that, you know, Chicago could have been destroyed during that process. And I'm like, how? They were in New Mexico. How, how could Chicago be destroyed? And that's when he brought up the whole thing about, like, half of the you know part of the project was done under this university's football field that apparently mm -hmm. wasn't far away from someone in my family um okay. but yeah so so i mean i have like i have other experience with this part of history other than just watching history channel like i've got like family kind of family stories tied into it yeah, okay. I mean, for me, it was, you know, Three Mile Island was probably the extent of what I knew about nuclear anything because we <laughs> lived relatively close to it. Yeah. Compared to some of the other movies that we've talked about for Best Picture this year, because we've we've wa we've all watched a few of them now. Was there anything that stood out to you guys as different about Oppenheimer? Like style wise or cinematography say... or sound? The big thing for me that's a difference, and I think this is just a matter of personal opinion, is I feel like I got to know the characters less in this than I did any of the other ones. Because I feel like all of the ones I've watched so far were, in essence, just character studies. I mean, Poor Things just follows Emma Stone around. The holdovers is get to know these characters. This one, I watched Oppenheimer throughout his life. I still don't feel like I really know him that well and i don't feel like i know many other people that were brought up in this story so one of well, one of the interesting things that has to deal with that is there's a lot of people in this movie that you recognize yeah oh yeah that was an intentional choice because there are so many people so many moving pieces to this and so many different people coming in and out of the story they wanted people to see familiar faces and be like, Oh, Josh Peck is the one who has the key to the, to the bomb or mm -hmm. Jack Quaid is the one who's going to be playing <laughs> the bongos. Um, yeah. <laughs> so that's why they brought in so many familiar faces. Yeah. So you can be like, Oh yeah, that scene with that scene with Casey Affleck or yeah. like that, all that kind of stuff. Oh, Rami Malek comes in. Like that's why they did that because this is telling the story. Like, it's telling the, the, the actual story and like all the bits and pieces that we know, like all of the, mm -hmm. all of the congressional hearing stuff and all of that, like there's a paper trail for that. So a lot of it checks out. Um, so it's telling the history of that, but I think the, everything that happens is also, you don't get to know Oppenheimer that well as a character, but you mm -hmm. get, you do get to see his reaction to what he created and what happened. I think that's the important mm -hmm. thing that I think that's the message of what the story is trying to tell is he, he helped create this, this weapon. And there were people telling him beforehand that we need to stop this before it gets used. And, Oh, we're not, we're not going to use it. Like it's going to be a deterrent. And then once it's handed off to the military hand into military hands, he starts to panic and it's like, or did they use it? Did they use it? And then he has to deal with the repercussions of that. And then that's what the, a lot of the Robert Downey Jr. stuff deals with is him dealing with 
the repercussions of knowing he was responsible for these weapons of mass destruction. Mm-hmm. I th- I really liked how the movie framed it actually, where it never glorified what they were doing. It never, I mean, it, it made you believe that these were people doing something very, very scientifically cutting edge, something very difficult and that these people did celebrate when the bomb went off because our hard work paid off. But it was very clear that that's why they were celebrating. Mm. Nobody, and at no point was that I think that anybody was like, yay, nukes. Like yeah. at any point, everyone was like, oh, thank God we did the thing we were supposed uh, to do. Yeah. There's a small moment in here as the announcement's being played over the radio and they're in the hallway of the lab. And I think it's Jack Wade is standing there in the hallway looking at somebody mm. across from him, like mortified. Yeah. But, but then like after a beat, they just shake each other's hands. Like we did it. Like it, it's mortified, but it worked like mm-hmm. it's such a mixed bag of emotion. And I, I think it just handles that very well. Yeah. And the whole thing with uh I, I have a trouble pronouncing his last name so i'm just gonna call him opie like the rest of his friends did yeah um i loved how they showed emotional stress and tension uh because with the headphones i was able to clearly hear um when he was having basically anxiety attacks mm-hmm. um when certain things would come up and you would hear noise um depend like there'd be times where they would be questioning him during his deposition and you would get the like the like roar noise in the background and then like halfway through the movie you find out where that roar comes from it's from everybody smashing their feet up against like stands and stuff um so i absolutely loved all of that um i feel like you got to know enough about the character uh about him to understand his paradoxical feelings like at the very beginning he talks about how like is is you know is light like a wave or is it like a solid or like an atom and he's like uh it's like it's both but it's like but it can't be both but it is like he's feeling proud at the fact that they were able to prove theory correct Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it's like these. The, the, it was dropped on people, so he's having Alan exactly like you said, like in that hallway. You know, Quaid's there, and he looks mortified. But then the guy across the the uh, you know, like the the the, 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 the hallway shakes his hand, and, and and even beyond that, when they're on the base, you can see all of the military personnel are going absolutely nuts. Like, yeah, yeah. we dropped it. It worked. And all of the scientists are like, yay, it worked. Mm-hmm. But that's it. They're just satisfied about their work, you know, working. But they're not as happy about it as the soldiers are. Yeah. Um, so here's here's yeah. where the level of depth in the character, like, I think actually was a detriment to me. Because... Up until a lot of what we had seen, I knew him enough, right? I knew the contradiction. I knew it all. Where there was the deposition to get rid of his security clearance. Mm -hmm. That was a really big turning point for him that they spend, you know, they spend a good amount of time using that both as the framing device and you watch him talk about that. It's a big moment. I think what didn't work for me there was I didn't feel the same kind of tension that I think I was supposed to feel there. Because that doesn't feel, and, and maybe because I'm a civilian, right? I didn't feel like a lot was at stake. I feel like his government work was at stake at that point. But the movie had already said that people are going to start to abandon you after this anyway, because you're the guy with the nuke. So I feel like he didn't have a long career in government anyway. And it was hard for me to be like, oh my gosh, his his security clearance, the one thing he cares about in this world, uh, well, ripped away. <laughs> the one thing you have to understand about him i did as soon as i got done watching this movie i watched a 45 minute documentary on him like, was it also I, on amazon yes and i yeah, it was I like a one. three dollar like hmm? yeah i know the one okay did you see it no <laughs> okay um so one thing i didn't realize was that when he lost his security clearance he lost codes 
to be able to access certain things. Mm. He was not able to function in the field of study that he had been for like 15 years up into that point after that he lost that security clearance. So his direct focus as a scientist literally ended when he lost it. So it wasn't just that it wasn't him, you know, being able to like help the government. It was his field of study that he was losing. Mm. So like, and that's what, and, and again, thinking back about the movie, I think that's why they made his wife so angry and so Mm -hmm. like, so mad about the whole thing because, because like she even says, if this happens, we're going to lose the house. Yeah. So, like, it, it's one of those things where I, I feel like there should have been... Again, it's a three-hour-long movie. I don't want to add anything to this because I don't really think anything can be taken out. And I don't... And, and I'm not the one to say that on this. I'm yeah. usually the one that says, I wish this was 45 minutes shorter. No, yeah. I, I like this exactly the way it is. And I hate saying that we need to add more to a three-hour movie, but I really feel... I feel like there should have been a little bit more context to, like... Maybe just a little, just, just, just a little throwaway line, like you know, it's like you know your career is over if you don't get this, right? Yeah. Like mm. something like that, which is not said. Yeah, you're right that the house thing is though, and and I just didn't hone in on that as much. Yeah, I, I think it does a good job of showing how m- much more concerned she is about it than he is, because I think he goes into it cocky, thinking that it's not gonna, it's not gonna yeah. go through. Like he's mm-hmm. he's going to be fine. And then he's not. Um, Ryan, you talked a lot about, you talked a bit about not wanting to cut anything from this film. Yeah. Devin, do you agree? Is there anything in here that you feel, feel that you feel is out of place and doesn't belong in this? Cause I have, okay. What is yours? What is yours? I, I would get rid of the probably worst Dutch ever put to film. So in the beginning, there's this scene that talks about how brilliant he is and that he's giving a lecture in, in Leiden yeah. and in the Netherlands. And uh, someone turns to their Dutch colleague goes, let me know if you need help with the English. And then he stands up and the, the thing that you're supposed to get is he's so brilliant. He learned Dutch for this speech. The delivery of Dutch is with such a thick German accent and I actually did the research on this bit of it that most Dutch people can't actually understand the Dutch words that he's saying because his German accent is so thick doing it. Yeah. You only have that opinion because you're dating someone from Europe. Of I course. guarantee you, I guarantee you that if you wouldn't be, you would be sitting where I am and going, that's a funny scene. That joke paid off. Yeah. Well, it's, it, it was because I went, ah, it's funny. He's speaking Dutch. And Romana goes, no, he's not. I go, yeah, he is. I recognize the word. She goes, that's not Dutch. And we had to replay the scene three times to get that it what? was, in fact, Dutch. Well, I mean, he, he, he was in Germany. So if he's going to learn Dutch in Germany, it's going to be with the German accent. What's funny is as soon as I asked you the question, Devin, Romana yeah. commented in the chat the Dutch scene. Oh, <laughs> <Yes. laughs> uh, thanks, Romana. So for me, like one of the things that I've been talking about since I saw this in July was there, there's a there's something in this that you don't usually see in Nolan movies. Um, and that's the nudity. Like Florence, Florence Pugh is naked a lot in this. Yes. And it doesn't really add much. They had to, the, the scene with them sitting awkwardly in the chairs was censored in other countries because it's just, why is it there? Um, it feels, it feels weird in a Nolan movie. Like I, and I get what they're doing. I, I understand what they're doing with that character. I just think it could have been a little bit more fleshed out than it is. Because do you guys understand the, the purpose of including that storyline in this? Because there, there's a, a, a blink and you miss it moment that yeah. that happens in this. The hands and on the back of the head. The hands on the back of the head during her death scene. Did you catch this, Devin? I certainly did not. In the scene where they show her committing suicide, mm-hmm. uh, there's a flash of a gloved hand holding her head underwater, implying that possibly the government 
was behind it and she didn't actually off herself. How did I miss this? It's it was like it's a, a second and a half. It's a split wow. second. Yeah. Um which That's I think incredible. is like if you and if you miss that, a lot of that storyline doesn't make sense, but what it does when you do catch it is show you like Matt Damon makes jokes like, "Oh, we'll just have him killed." Um it shows you that he's kind of serious about that. Like they'll do anything yeah. to keep him in line and under control, e- even going as far as to offing his mistress. So he stays the, t- stays the line and doesn't sleep with communists. So. so my take on that was a little different. Granted, there was that thing with like him saying like, well, you know, we'll kill him. Um, I took it as it was, it was that crazed anti-communist uh, soldier or commander that, oh, yeah. like, you know, that like trapped him in the interview. And Matt Damon's character tells, you know, Opie how crazed he is and why he is the way that he is. Yeah. And so I would not be surprised if Matt Damon's character didn't know that that happened but i would not be surprised if the government was like hey you you like doing stuff like this here's the key to a room (laughs) i i think i i think it's so interesting that you don't know what happens it could be any of the three she could have killed herself it could have been the government it could have been casey affleck it's character not actually casey affleck um (laughs) but yeah like that because that that's been the biggest gripe with this film is why is Florence Pugh naked? Okay, so the one thing that I will say, and it was a thought that I had when I was watching, it was after that scene where they're both sitting in chairs. Um, They could have very, very, very easily had her have a blanket traped over her or something. Or like just something across her chest something but at the same time the only defense and i'm not defending it i'm not saying that it should have been in there that i liked it you know that oh it was great it was great no i'm not saying any of that i'm just in defense of the choice that was made yeah possibly this is a defense it shows how raw her character is Mm. with him that like she is unbearing herself completely in front of him at that moment like physically emotionally mentally and then he says yeah i'm not going to be around for you anymore i know i said i would be but mm, that's done i think the one time that it worked for me really well too was that when they're at the deposition like to get rid of it uh, to get rid of his security clearance they talk about his relationship with her and she appears on him uh and you almost see that scene through Emily Blunt's eyes. Like one of the yeah. shots is from her eyes. And I thought that was incredibly effective because it's well, almost her picturing it and showing how raw that still is for her. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like that is all her. Like, even though yeah. there is that one scene from her point of view, I mm. feel the, the, the way that I interpret that was the as the camera's panning across the room from behind the members that are questioning him and the prosecutor, they bring up her, her character. And when, before he, like, as he's talking about it, the camera goes with him being fully clothed to him sitting naked in the chair. Mm -hmm. So it's like the dude feels like he's naked because he's talking about something that, you know, like his anxiety is going up. You know, he doesn't want to be talking about this problem. His wife is sitting right behind him, even though they had talked about it prior. Like, they make that a point to... They Mm -hmm. make that something to point out. That, like, they do talk about it prior. But... And then... So you get the way he's feeling about this conversation. And then you get when she shows up on him. You're like, that's how she feels about that conversation. Yeah. That had to have been one of my top five moments of this movie. Yeah. I thought it was a really good scene. It was effective. Um, What was your favorite scene, Devin? Oh, boy. My favorite scene... My favorite scene is when you learn what Einstein and Oppenheimer were talking about just after the guy goes to Robert Downey Jr. 
what if it had nothing to do with you? What if yeah. they were talking about something important? I felt that. I love that so much. Oh, that's such a great moment. Oh. Um, we haven't we haven't really talked about Robert Downey Jr. at all. <laughs> he's so good at um, this too. He's 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 my pick right now for best supporting actor, uh, especially after watching this yeah. again. Um, I had read something or heard something when the movie came out about there's a very their relationship in this was compared to another film. And I completely forgot about it until I watched the movie. And then there's that moment where you find out that Strauss is the one behind everything. And I was like, Oh yeah, Amadeus. That's right. That's the connection here. This is Amadeus and Scolieri. Like that's what this is. Um, And so when you have that reveal of, he was the one who, was getting his clearances revoked behind the scenes. Like that's like every, the see like every week, uh, <laughs> see, knowing the film, knowing that twist going into the film a second time, it, it, it does what that Nolan thing, the Nolan, the Nolan thing where you're like, you know what happens later and everything else in context of that makes so much more sense. Um, so knowing that he's the one pulling the strings, the man behind the curtain, like that makes that reveal still hit just as hard, uh, because he was the one behind, like manipulating everything. So he lost. So Oppenheimer lost everything. Yeah. One of the things that I, this was one of the few times where it's like, I'm watching the movie. It's about like an hour into it and they're doing one of like the first scenes in the room. Mm-hmm. where like straws is talking to his like two like political people yeah. and like describing the whole thing about the file and i'm thinking to myself like i'm willing to bet he gave him the file uh. i'm willing to bet that and then when they go to the scene of like that like that like lieutenant that matt damon's always that like picks on at the beginning like giving the file and stuff to the guy that actually like submits everything mm-hmm. i I thought to myself, and they're going to bring this scene back and it's going to either morph into someone or they're going to replay this scene with the actual person that gave it to him. I was not expecting him to be sitting off to the side. So that was cool. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Watching the, uh, the, the scenes at the Capitol with Robert Downey Jr. and his, his two associates, is weird because I recognize the one as um, Han Solo from Solo, Alden okay. Ehrenreich. The other one I didn't recognize, and it's weird watching it now because I know he's in it. Um, it's Scott Grimes who plays the dad on the Ted series. Oh. Which, if you've seen any of the clips from Ted, that's enough to make those scenes in Oppenheimer different. Uh <laughs> Were there anyone, was there anyone in this movie like, oh, they're in this? Like, I didn't know that they were in this. Was there anyone who caught you off guard by, just by watching it? Freddie Mercury. Okay. <laughs> Robbie Malik, yeah. Okay. Robbie Malik, there you go. I yeah. forgot his name for a second. Yeah. And Devin's blue hair is, uh, is uh, distracting me. Oh, it is blue now. Nice. It yeah. looks really blue. Like yeah. it does look really first, blue. I, I don't was know like, why. I need to say something because it looks dyed. Like your 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 lights are uh, playing for, with your hair. Going color. for a new look. Uh, for me, it was it was Kenneth Branagh. Okay. I had no idea he was in it. Love it. There there were people in this where I'm like, I know who that is now. Like I I remember watch walking out of the movies like that was that person, and then I watched it again yesterday. Like, okay, I know I know who that is. Who is it again? Uh, do you guys know who played Lawrence, like the the other professor at Berk- Berkeley? No. Don't look at it. Don't looks, look it up. He looks familiar, but I couldn't. Josh Hartnett. What? That was Josh Hartnett. He, he, he was in Pearl. He was in Pearl Harbor. Ah. Uh, okay. He he was in about. Forty Days and Forty Nights because you know it's Lent. I got to bring that up. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Is he acting again? He's been acting. Uh, yeah, I just didn't expect him in this. Weird. Because I kept That's looking weird. at him like, why is Aaron Sorkin in this? Because he's got the very Aaron Sorkin <laughs> hairline. 
Um, Josh Peck is always a nice surprise in this. Mm-hmm. Uh, we mentioned Jack Quaid before. Um, yeah. Josh Hartnett is yeah, the one that throws that's incredible. me still. I, I didn't recognize him. He he's I mean he's older, sure. But yeah. He, our little boy grew up. Yeah. Um <sighs> Is there anything else that we want to talk about with Oppenheimer? Well, I just my my favorite scene is the one where he has to no, talk to the no, no, it's okay. It's okay. My favorite scene is when he had is when he is reluctantly giving a speech to the people to like the townspeople yeah at the manhattan project when he's like doing his like okay what do i say now like we did it and everyone cheers and like that whole setup from when like his wife is like fixing his tie to when like they show him finally like outside and like all of the distorted screaming um you know like him envisioning victims of what the bomb might sound like and look like like Mm. that whole thing like that is my favorite scene of the movie For me, I, I, you guys picked two good ones. For me, I think my favorite is the bomb, the, mm. like the test, because it, the film does such a good job of building tension for the f- first two hours. But it does, though. It takes two hours to get to that point, and it's so tense the whole way through that like if you can take a break it's okay to take a break like like it's so intense and it builds to it so well because once you get to that scene it's a nuclear bomb you're expecting the the bang the big boom and instead you get silence mm-hmm. for a solid minute 2 minutes like it's just silent and you just see the light and then you get the, the, the sonic boom and it's so well done. Um, and an actual explosion. Like it wasn't all CG. What? They blew up. They, they did not set up a, set off a nuclear bomb, but they, they, they lit up like gasoline and a whole bunch of stuff to make a giant fireball. And then the, the mushroom, the mushroom cloud was CG. But yeah. no um, one, no one loves practical effects. So if he can, mm-hmm. I think if they would have let him set off a nuclear bomb, they, he might have. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. Um, it, one thing about that, that that I really liked was that they showed the actual like the like the speed of sound compared to the light because mm-hmm. the, the, they show like each point you got you got them in the bunker you've got them you've got people what like five you've got people 20 miles away then you got mm-hmm. people like five miles away i think it was five or ten yeah yeah, yeah. and then and then you have them in the bunker and that they showed the you know it's like the shock wave and then the sound and like how different that was for like each, you know, person, I was fully expecting that one guy to go blind. Yeah. When yeah, yeah. Th- th- they were handing out the welder's glass and mm-hmm. th- the soldier goes here and he goes, Oh no, the, the glass, it, it takes care of the UV light, uh, rays. And I'm like, dude, this is a nuclear bomb. UV has not, I mean, UV probably has something to do with it, but it's going to be bright and you're going to need that. I, th- mm-hmm. I don't know what you're thinking. I don't yeah. know what you're <laughs> All right, so we, we've seen a few Best Pictures now, Best Picture mm-hmm. nominees. Where does this rank for you guys? Do you think anything can beat this as of right now or not? For Best Picture? Yes. Hmm. I would say for me this is tied with the holdovers. Okay. I think this is a second to me for holdovers. Okay, you still think Holdovers is best picture? I, I, for me, I think so. Okay. What about you? For me, Holdovers is great. I mean, I think, I think Giamatti's going to win for, for performance over Killian Murphy because Killian Murphy pretty much just wears a hat and <laughs> stares off um, in the fair. distance. Yeah. I, I think there, there, 
if you're looking at all the aspects of everything that goes into this, the performances, the cinematography, the music, everything delivers every, like there's so much that works well in this. I, it's hard mm-hmm. to beat it. Um, the direction, like it, it's all, it's top of the list for me right now. And I still have, yeah. I still have about half of the best pictures to watch. So, but right now, this is probably my my top choice for best picture, That's at least. What's and I think two for you then. Uh, Barbie. Barbie. I, yeah. I, just yeah, just so I go. can just so I can do the Barbenheimer ticket, like. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Um. Yeah, I I'm blanking on what other ones I've seen right now. Uh, hold up. Pull it up. Yeah. It. I, I do think Robert Downey Jr. is my, my choice for um, Best Supporting Actor to the point where Sterling K. Brown is like, oh, I he's nominated. He's like, oh, I know I'm going to lose to Robert Downey Jr. Like, he's going to win it. Like, who are we kidding? Like, it's just an honor to be nominated next to him. Yeah. So. Man. I, I, I definitely think this this ranks higher than Killers of the Flower Moon for me. Holdovers, like I said, is great, but I don't mm-hmm. think it's best picture. Sure. Because um, for me to pick like a to be wowed by something for best picture, it takes like a parasite. Like parasite. Yeah. Okay. Stunned That's me. Fair. Yeah. Because um, there was so that much was that really worked. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah. So that does it for our conversation on Oppenheimer. Uh, I think we're going to take a break from the Oscars next week and talk about something else that's current. Ryan, what's, what's your pick for next week? We're going to be doing Dune. 2021? Dune? 2021? Or was it 22? For your sake, yes. 2022 <laughs> Dune, right? 2021, yeah. 2021. All right. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, the Timothy Chalamet Dune start. Uh, Directed by Denis Villeneuve, um, right? Yeah, I think so. Uh, yeah, we're gonna be watching that just in time for Dune Part Two. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, just so you guys know, at, as of right now, I believe it's still on Netflix. Nice. Oh, I own it. Oh, wait, which one of us hasn't seen it? Okay, that works. Yeah, I that checks it. out. That checks yeah, because, out. Yeah, it does. Because, because um, Devin and I did our own episode on the 1984 one, which we spared yep, you from. You did. <laughs> I you did. Honest, guys, I keep having to tell myself because I'm like, uh, dude, like I keep thinking about the sequel to Dune coming out. I was like, I got to watch the first one. And in my mind, I'm like, uh, I got to watch Dune. But then I keep thinking back, Ryan, to our conversation and going, yeah. no, no, Devin, you really like Dune. You actually really yeah. like this. Yeah. Yeah, like this Watch is it. going. I, I have, I have, I, I have high hopes for both of you when it comes Good. to this one. So oh, can't wait. Well, I mean, I've seen it yeah. before. So hold on. Are you guys well, going to okay, get the popcorn so bucket? Now. Are you going to get hmm? the popcorn bucket for the second one? Uh, yeah. Okay, <laughs> I want it so bad, guys. <laughs> I, I will not, because I think I, I think I told you guys this on the show. I bought the annual popcorn bucket. Yeah, you did. So when I go see Madam Web on Friday, that's what I'm using. <laughs> so it which sucks is I can't get popcorn buckets anymore. Uh, but I can still get the cups, which I use more often. And it's probably a better go. investment for me anyway. Um, Fair. But yeah. Uh, so make sure to tune in next week. The uh, same time for uh, our episode on 2021's 20. Yeah. 2021 Dune. Um, you can subscribe to us on YouTube to watch our shows live and all of our older broadcasts. You can also listen to you have to watch this podcast on all major podcasting platforms, including Apple, Spotify, and Amazon music. You can also visit our website, rumrunnerspodcastnetwork.com to check out us and all the other wonderful rum runners podcast network podcasts, uh, to hear my thoughts on Madam Web, go check out Brilliant But Lazy on Victims and Villains. You can also read my full review for Argyle over there. Uh, you guys want to plug anything else while <laughs> while I'm plugging my, my stuff? No, man, you, you do you. All right. Uh, until, 
Until next time, for you have to watch this podcast, I'm Alan. I'm Ryan. And I'm Devin. And walk without rhythm, and you won't attract the world.